0: How much time do we have? Minutes? Days? Months? Years? We don't know. But this we do know. Civil defense is everybody's business.
1: Boom!
2: Atomic cocktail.
1: This is Hearing Voices, the best of public radio from NPR, with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting and the National Endowment for the Arts. I'm Larry Massett. Our show today is... Mushroom Cloud, Tales of the Atomic Age.
0: Just imagine, if only one atom bomb were to be dropped on an American city, say it's your city, thousands of persons would be killed instantly, many would be trapped or buried in wreckage, streets would be blocked by rubble, great fires would start, dozens of fires in a matter of minutes in many places at once.
1: When I was a kid, my family lived on a military base on the island of Okinawa in the South Pacific. Sunday afternoons we would go picnic on a little beach. Adults liked it because of the white sand and the warm waves. Kids liked it because there was a cave at the back of the beach. The mouth of the cave was walled up, but you could peek through the chinks in the cement. Peek into a dark place packed with human skulls. Hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of shining skulls. What a beach. Atlantic City may have boardwalks, cotton candy, casinos, but it doesn't have skulls, not like this. In World War II, it seems, there had been a battle here on Okinawa. Yanks versus Japs, hand to hand. Nobody won. Everybody died. It was such a mess, there was no way to sort out the bodies afterwards. They were just bulldozed into the cave, walled up, and that was that. You can see why, as war dragged on. The military longed for something less hand-to-hand, something with more space, more scope, more air.
3: runway 1-4. Wind is out of the southeast at 10, gusting 15. Cleared for takeoff.
1: Here, from Antenna Theater, is the story of the air war.
3: 909, roger. We are cleared for takeoff.
1: Proceed as requested.
4: Uh, up in the nose, you're surrounded by plexiglass, so you can see everything all around you. When you entered the area, you were looking for flat and aircraft fire, which threw metal in the air, which uh, exploded and sent little shards of steel all over the impact area.
5: The minute you go and look in a bomber scope,
0: two or three hundred aircraft at a particular target, each carrying four thousand pounds, you'd have a thousand tons of bombs. And if they all hit, that'd be marvelous. To destroy their airplanes, destroy their plants, their ball bearing plants. Factories, refineries. We
4: were big on marshaling
0: yards. Destroy their bridges, their railroads.
4: Keep the uh, trains from running.
6: The air raid signal would sound, take shelter, take shelter, an unforgettable sound. Take shelter, take shelter. And that meant you had to take shelter. We carried a gas mask, and the sky to the east was aflame. It was coloured red. The blitz caused terrible damage and many casualties. It came as a terrible shock. And then I said, Oh, is
7: all right. She's in my arms. And I went to touch my other child
8: and I couldn't feel him. And later I learned that my mother was dead and the two children were.
4: She just disappeared.
6: War against civilian populations is absolutely horrific.
2: When you operate those things, It's a relatively simple
5: thing. You're at ease. And I remember it's almost a sense of euphoria being so totally out of the reality. You couldn't even imagine the danger you were actually
0: in. And very often it might be through overcast or fog or smoke.
1: This then creates a sense of euphoria where you're sitting there observing a phenomenon. You're the witness to something that's going on, but you're not a part of it you become the witness to an abstract phenomenon. And it was, frankly, almost relaxing.
5: You make sure they they go rolling down this rack, one after another, and you're blowing people
0: to pieces. You don't hear them in the airplane. Again, you're five miles away. The airplane is noisy. You've got headsets on. And uh, as far as I know, they don't whistle.
7: It's a weird sensation.
0: first time I dropped bombs on a target, I watched them go down and then I watched those black puffs of smoke and fires and I said to myself, people are getting killed down there, don't have any business getting killed. Those are not soldiers. Well, then I got a thought when I was going to medical school, I lived with the doctor and he was telling me about classmates of his who were drug salesmen because they couldn't practice medicine due to the fact that they had too much sympathy for their their patients. They assumed the symptoms of the patients and it destroyed their ability to to render the medical uh, necessities. So I thought, if I get to thinking about some innocent person getting hit on the ground, I'm supposed to be a bomber pilot and destroy a target. I won't be worth anything if I do that. great big map would show red lines showing the target. Now I've been lucky because if I make up my mind I want to reject something I can reject it and I do do that. So that was one of the things that I was faced with when I was on my way to target. The Enola Gay and the atomic bomb. And I had people telling me how much property and lives that bomb would take when it exploded because it was non-discriminatory. It took yes. everything. I made up my mind then that the morality of dropping that bomb was not my business.
5: The Enola Gay drops a single bomb, and destruction goes purely, totally off the scale. You know, you don't need a squadron of airplanes to fly in and destroy a place, you just need one plane. All the methods of measurement of warfare And the scale of destruction have changed in that single moment.
0: I have to say, we can't look at the so-called grimmer aspects of it. I was instructed to drop the bomb, and that Mm -hmm. was the thing that I was going to do to the best of my ability.
5: After we uh, felt the explosion, concussion waves, uh, we knew that everything was a success. You choose what you want to look at. So we turned around to take a look at it.
6: And you turn around everywhere, you were surrounded by fires. You lose direction because of smoke and fire, something like 30 feet high, everywhere you turn.
5: The sight that greeted our eyes was quite uh, beyond what we had expected.
6: And my neighbor, who has three children, the youngest one was just infant, I think a couple months old. All three children, she has to escape without anything, right? We can't look at the grimmer
0: aspects of it.
6: So she couldn't handle three. And then this little thing, trying to follow mom, was stepping on by grown-up. They're trying to escape themselves first. They don't care. I wanted to help this woman with a baby. And before we know it, she tossed the baby into the fire.
0: We saw this cloud of boiling dust and debris below us with this tremendous mushroom on top.
6: She couldn't handle three. She couldn't handle three. No one can handle three if the kids are so little.
0: Beneath that was hidden the ruins of the city of Hiroshima. Now, I am supposed to have lost sleep over what I did, have a certain amount of morose, and I can assure you I've never lost a night's sleep on the deal.
4: I didn't really think
9: about killing human beings.
4: Uh, You just didn't discuss it? Uh,
9: Again, I think you you try to avoid that. Disappeared.
4: Ah. Somewhere in the uh, mid-50s, I, uh began to get, uh, without any uh, reason, I started to get dreams, uh, nightmares, if you will, of uh, bombings and people screaming. I'd never heard a scream in my life, you know. But in my dreams, I could hear the screaming and uh, and the flesh, and I could smell the flesh burning. I didn't think I did this.
1: Enola Alone by Antenna Theater with sound design by Earwax.
10: It's the drink that you don't pour Now, when you take one sip, you won't need any more. you small as a beetle, as big as a whale. Boom! Hey, atomic cocktail.
1: Among the voices you heard was Colonel Paul Tibbets, pilot of the Enola Gay, the plane that dropped an atom bomb on Hiroshima on August 6, 1945. A few days later, we began dropping pieces of paper on Japan. They read, quote, We are in possession of the most destructive explosive ever devised by man. A single one of our newly developed atomic bombs is the equivalent in explosive power to blah, blah, blah. This awful fact is for you to ponder... Etc., etc. We have just begun to use this weapon, etc. No doubt we scared the Japanese. We scared everybody, including ourselves. All of a sudden, we had the power to wipe out life on Earth. We could do it. Next thing you knew, the Russians could do it. How exactly was this supposed to play out? That's the question running round and round in the years after the war, and it never really got an answer. Here's a hearing voices look back at the time we call the Atomic Age. From the mountain
7: to the prairie To the
5: ocean
8: wide with
0: The world will note that the first atomic bomb
10: was dropped on Hiroshima, a military base we won the race of discovery against the germans there's a star spangled banner waving somewhere in a distant land so many miles away an iron
0: curtain has descended across the continent behind that line lie all the capitals of the ancient states of central and eastern europe warsaw berlin
10: In this war with its mad schemes of destruction Of our country fair and our sweet liberty By the mad dictators, leaders of corruption Can't the U.S. use a mountain boy like me? The United States and other like-minded nations Find themselves directly opposed By a regime with contrary aims and a totally different concept of life.
7: Far away places with strange sounding names, far away
10: over.
0: I have just left your fighting sons in Korea.
10: Those
7: far away places with a strange.
0: was my constant effort to preserve them and end this savage conflict honorably and with the least loss of time and a
2: minimum sacrifice of life. Its growing bloodshed
11: has caused me the deepest anguish and
0: anxiety.
11: We are conquerors of time and of distance. We have explored the awful jungles of matter and emerged with the powers of the exploding
10: sun. Do you fear this man's invention that they call atomic power? Are we all in great confusion? Do we know the time or hour when a terrible explosion may rain down upon our land, leaving horrible destruction blotting out the works of man? Are you ready ready for that great atomic power? Rise and meet your savior in the end. Will you shout or will you cry when the fire ain't from on high? Are you ready for that great atomic power?
6: I am not and never have been a member of the Communist Party.
5: All of them after they appeared before the committee were either fired or suspended. Let's run through the name.
11: The Chinese communists have been supplying the forces of the meat beatmen rebels with munitions and trucks and anti-aircraft guns, radar, technical equipment, and technical advisors. They have, however, stopped short of open armed intervention. We are in the era of the thermonuclear bomb that can obliterate cities and can be delivered across continents. With such weapons, war has become not just tragic, but preposterous. With such weapons, there can be no victory for anyone. Plainly, the objective now must be to see that such a war does not occur at all. The first artificial Earth satellite in the world has now been created. This first satellite was today successfully launched in the USSR. Юлия
10: Алексеевича Гагарина, спутника Vostok.
11: We interrupt this record to bring you a special bulletin. The reports of a flying saucer hovering over the city have been confirmed. We switch you now to our on the spot reporter downtown
10: come on baby let's go downtown there
11: are some instances where you may be ahead of us for example in the development of your of the thrust of your rockets for the investigation of outer space there may be some instances for example color television where we're ahead of you but in order for both of us for both of us benefit, we you see, you, you never can concede can anything. anything. In what are they ahead of us? Wrong, wrong. We are ahead of you in rockets as well as in this technique. We are not going to interrupt this record. Yes, we are. The flying saucer has landed again. Washington. The Secretary of Defense has just said... Because after all, you don't know everything.
4: If I don't know
5: everything, then I would say that you know absolutely nothing about communism. Nothing except fear of it. If I don't
10: know something,
5: then you don't know anything about communism except fear.
11: We annually spend on military security alone. More than the net income of all United States corporations. This conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience. The total influence, economic, political, even spiritual, is felt in every city, every state house, every office of the federal government. When a
5: man's way please the Lord, the scriptures tell us, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. And is not peace, in the last analysis, basically a matter of human rights, the right to live out our lives without fear of devastation, the right to breathe air as nature provided it, the right of future generations to a healthy existence?
11: We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes.
5: We will not prematurely or unnecessarily risk the course of worldwide nuclear war in which even the fruits of victory would be ashes in our mouth.
10: One time ago, a crazy dream came to me. I dreamt I was walking in World War III. Went to the doctor the very next day To see what kind of words he could say Said it was a bad dream I wouldn't worry about it none of them Old dreams are only in your head All right, sir Let me ask you one simple question
11: Do you, Ambassador Zoran, deny that the USSR Has placed and is placing medium and intermediate Range missiles and sites in Cuba? Yes or no? Don't wait for the translation, yes or no.
10: <laughs> well, now time passed and now it seems everybody's having them dreams. Everybody sees itself walking around with no one else. Half the people can be part right all of the time and Some of the people can be all right part of the time, but all the people can't be all right all of the time. I think Abraham Lincoln said that. I'll let you be in my dream if I can be in yours. I said that. According to the ancient Chinese proverb,
1: a journey of a thousand miles must begin with a single step. My fellow Americans, let us take that first step.
5: Let us, if we can, step back from the shadows of war
0: and seek out the way of peace. And if that journey is a thousand miles, or even more, let history record that we, in this land, at this time,
1: took the first step.
6: To everything.
1: Prince Ferlinghetti has wild dreams of a new beginning. And Scott Carrier asks Americans, what are you afraid of? This is Hearing Voices. We'll be right back with the second half of Mushroom Cloud, Tales from the Atomic Age, from hearingvoices.com.
12: Hearing Voices is supported by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people and the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes a great nation deserves great art. From NPR, this is HearingVoices.com. Boom!
10: Atomic! kak
1: back to Mushroom Cloud, from Hearing Voices. During the Atomic Age, the bomb was lurking everywhere. It hit out in Cuba and God knows where else. It roamed the ocean on submarines, and it might very well be in your own backyard near a secret government test site. You never know unless you had the bad luck to live downwind, like the people in Klaus Andreasen's Downwinder Diaries.
11: Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt this program to bring you important news. Word has just been received from the Atomic Energy Commission that due to a change in wind direction, the residue from this morning's atomic detonation is drifting in the direction of St. George. It is suggested that everyone remain indoors for one hour or until further notice. There is no danger.
13: When um Bethany was three. She was sick and complained of a lot of different things. Um, I took her to five doctors here and they kept telling me nothing was wrong with her. She was just constipated and we'd go through the whole rounds of all this and finally ended up taking her in the middle of the night to Salt Lake. And at that time she was diagnosed with stage four neuroblastoma, which is a cancer that's in embryo and for some reason just goes crazy. And, um, it was in her bones, in her bone marrow. And they gave us a 5% chance she'd live two years. I took her back to Salt Lake, and she was diagnosed with a totally different cancer, acute monoblastic leukemia. Drove home on Valium just crazy, crying all the way with her and the car. And, and I got home, and my sister died that day. So it, it was... We were totally devastated. And uh, Bethany died a month later. I I was truly living the American dream. We were. We had three wonderful children. My husband had a good job. I had a job. We lived in the most beautiful place on earth, you know. Was living what we thought was the American dream. And And it did. It actually turned into a nightmare maybe we were considered maybe a superior community and they wanted to see what had happened to us. If we could withstand it, if our our bodies were strong enough or our lifestyles were good enough that we could endure this and live through it. I've thought about that. Our biggest fear was the Russians and that we were taught to be afraid of what they would do to us not what our own government was going to do to us or what they were doing to us.
11: When the invisible cloud had
9: passed, the total amount of radiation deposited on St. George was far from hazardous. The Atomic Energy Commission doesn't take chances on safety.
14: And this one morning, we just pulled from uh, Sand Spring Valley, over Coyote Pass and going into Tickaboo Valley. And I was sitting there on the horse and just had my legs cocked up out of the stirrups over the saddle horn because it was easy to ride that way. And I had them just sitting on and watching the sheep. They were all sped out. And all at once, that son of a and bomb went off. So I told Jay, I says, well, Jay, I'll get down and go around the leaders and turn them back and you cook breakfast. Have breakfast and then we'll come up and eat and we'll go on. So I rode my horse down around the lead and turned the lead back. And the dog on cloud come up like, just like a mushroom and spread out. The way I remember, it was kind of a blue-gray clad, and it come up and it just mushroomed out, and it was just like, well, looking that way, and it come right square over the top of us, where we were. God, they just started dying like flies, you know, and we couldn't figure out what in the hell was the matter of them sheep. There'd be a hundred head of sheep dead, and we'd we'd throw them on a truck and haul them off and put them in a pile out here, what they call eight mile we'd haul them off and figure we had all that was going to die we'd come back in to feed 'em the next morning and there'd be another hundred head laying there dead around those mangers. we couldn't figure what was happening and it wasn't just our herd that was doing it it was all of them, all the sheep that had been out there in the valley those atomic energy vets came into the to our yards like this. They autopsied them. They'd say, Oh, this is a hot one. Geez, this is a hot one. These are all hot, you know. And we'd take them out to piles of dead ones that we had hauled out. They'd put those gaga counters wide, the needles going clear off the poles. These are really hot. They covered it up. There's no question about it. This lawyer got <coughs> Got us in a room there one day, and he says, we admit we killed your sheep. He says, we admit it. But he says, we're not going to, you're going to lose this case in court because he says every pregnant woman, every sick person will sue the government. And he says, not only that, they're going to stop these tests. And he says, these tests have got to go on.
8: He said that his horse had been sick. He said when he would ride down in the low washes and brushy areas where there was uh, scrub oak, that there was like a ground fog. But he could taste it, it had a metallic taste, and he could feel it on his skin. Well, within a matter of a, a few weeks, the horse got down. It was a young horse, good healthy horse, a nice horse. Got down, couldn't get up. The vet couldn't figure out anything wrong with him, he never did. Within a few days, he died. The sheep also, many of them were sick. And it was interesting, you'd grab a hold on them, you know, like you do sheep to move them around sometimes, and their wool had just come out in big patches, and they got sores around their muzzles. And uh, then Kent's hair began to come out in big patches. Well, he was a teenager, you know, and this was very alarming to him. And, and he uh, went to the doctor, and the doctor had no idea what was wrong with him. He ended up giving him vitamin shots. He said, it probably won't do any good, but it can't do any harm, and I don't know what else to do. But it was interesting, because a lot of other people in the community were having, both men and women, had their hair coming out in patches. And it tended to be people that worked out of doors. Now, that spring, when my brother got sick at that camp, of the eight men that were in the camp. All except two of them died with some form of cancer. It got bigger and bigger and he was so young and healthy except for that cancer that was eating him up that he finally starved to death, died from malnutrition because his food couldn't digest anymore, and painful. It was as big as a basketball, and, his, and the skin was stretched so tightly over his bones his eyes couldn't close and his mouth couldn't close, and he couldn't lay his legs out straight. And I remember lying beside him just before he died, the night before he died, propping his legs up because he was a little more comfortable than if we propped him with a pillow, praying that he could die. The predominantly downwind population was Mormon, a population which is very accepting of authority, very patriotic, very non-questioning politically. And they figured that if they could get the uh, acquiescence of our church leaders and officials, that uh, there wouldn't be any question, and that's precisely what happened.
1: Utah residents Claudia Peterson, Kern Bullock, and Janet Gordon from the series Downwinter Diaries, produced by Klaus Andreason. Our show today is Mushroom Cloud Tales of the Atomic Age. From hearing voices.
0: Alert today, alive tomorrow. Plan now with your family for civil defense emergency action. Someday it may save your lives.
10: Everybody's worried. the day my lord
2: will come when he'll hit great god of money like an atom bomb when he
0: comes, when he comes. in 1945 the atom bomb became alive in 1949 the usa got very wise they found a country across
11: the line had an atom bomb of the very same kind the people got worried all over the land
0: just like folks got in japan Oh, I say, everybody's worried about
11: that Hey, Adam bomb. hey but No one so worried about the day my Lord shall come. You'd better set your house in order. Well, he hey, we may be coming soon, and he hey, hit. hey, hey, my Lord, you know he'll hit,
14: hit like, like an animal
9: when he
0: comes, when he comes. Civil defense is the way of saving lives and property. It's the way to protect you and your family in case of enemy attack on the United States. It's the way of helping you to keep going in spite of attacks with atomic or biological warfare or chemicals or conventional weapons.
1: In the beginning, there was nothing. Nothing at all. So says quantum physics, and so say many religions. Can you picture nothing? You can't see it as vast or dark or empty because space doesn't exist. And you can't tell how long it goes on because time doesn't exist either. You can perhaps get a feel for it by imagining yourself trapped in an elevator with Paris Hilton. Sooner or later, your mind will drift toward the attractive possibility of a violent explosion. Just blow it up. A big bang. We began by exploding, and we will end the same way. So it seemed, during those years, stamped with the image of the mushroom cloud, it was easy to imagine the end of everything. This vision is from poet Lawrence Ferlinghetti
2: I thought I heard some nightingale. <laughs> yeah, what an illusion. I must have been dreaming. Dreaming again, a nightingale out here, a jeweled nightingale. I thought I saw some great light or something, a radiance, a wave of radiance, or whatever, a wave of love, or whatever, or hate, love or hate. A wave of love or hate sweeping the country? Sweeping the whole country? A Pacific tidal wave. A Pacific tidal wave. One mile high. Los Angeles breathes its last gas and sinks into the sea like the Titanic. All lights sleep Nine minutes later, the sea's coming over Utah. Mormon tabernacles washed away like barnacles. willa Cather's Nebraska sinks with it. Coyotes are confounded swim nowhere, an orchestra on stage in Omaha keeps on playing Handel's water music, horns filled with water, and bass players float away on their instruments, clutching them like lovers horizontal, Chicago's loop becomes a roller coaster, skyscrapers filled like water glasses, great lakes mixed with Buddhist brine, great books watered down in Evanston, Milwaukee beer topped with sea foam bow fluff of buffalo suddenly becomes salt Manhattan Island swept clean in 16 seconds buried masts of New Amsterdam arise as the great wave sweeps on eastward to wash away Overage, Camembert, Europe, Manhattan, steaming in sea vines. The washed land awakes again to wilderness. The only sound, the only sound, a vast thrumming of crickets a cry of seabirds high over in empty eternity. As the Hudson retakes its thickets and Indians reclaim their canoes,
1: Lawrence Ferlinghetti, with his Wild Dreams of a New Beginning, produced for radio by Eric Bowersfeld of Bay Area Radio Drama, with sound design by Jim McKee of Earwax, and original music by Wieslaw Pogorzelski. Ferlinghetti's deluge is, of course, meant to frighten you. Shapeless, unending water is chaos itself, the void, the nothing at the heart of fear. We were afraid during the atomic age. And you know what? We're not out of the woods yet. Recently, writer Scott Carrier drove across the country asking the people he met what they were afraid of.
2: I'm Alex Caldero. I live in uh, in Orem, Utah. I'm afraid of being homeless. I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of pain. I'm not afraid of war. I'm not afraid of uh, losing my job. I'm not afraid. I've been through all of that. but I am afraid of being homeless without a place where you could uh, sleep and wake up okay yeah I think you know uh, going to sleep at night with a roof over your head and a bed is the most wonderful thing that that you could do
10: (laughs) my name is Bernardo Chavarria I'm afraid that
0: I will not be a person that will be accepted
7: by the Lord because I am afraid of the Lord because He is my Maker. Uh, I'm Marilla Zimmerman, and we are in Goodland, Kansas. I, I guess what happened September the 11th, I I can't believe that somebody would be that cruel to America when we are so good to people.
2: Are you still f- frightened by it? Are you still afraid of it?
7: No, I use God, and and God has to help me. I've had cancer, loss of some with Lou Gehrig disease, and all, a, a husband with Alzheimer's, and. If you, if I didn't have God, I couldn't handle it.
2: Well, why, why do you think that the people who attacked us on 9/11 hate us?
7: Do you, think you thought about that? I think they're jealous of us. Hmm. I really do. I think they feel like we got too much and they don't have anything.
2: Hmm. Well, that's true, isn't it?
7: Sure, sure. And we're a free country, and they don't like that—that that we're free.
1: Jerry Dan Langley. Jerry Dan. And we're at uh, 64 and I-25. I'm
14: afraid that uh,
1: people been misled and don't know the Lord. That's what I'm afraid of. But as far as fear, I fear no man or beast. Uh, but as far as me being afraid of the Lord, I've known the Lord since the beginning. You know? My spirit has been fighting the devil and demons the whole time. And the day is here, man. This is the seventh day. Alright. One day the Lord's a thousand years. At the year at the beginning of two thousand was the end of the sixth day and he's not in charge anymore. Now the truth is here, Jesus. Okay. The next thousand years is the Lord's judgment on sin.
2: How do you know Jesus is
0: here?
15: He's in the flesh, man. But have you seen Don't him? you know who you're talking to? Um Cochrane McMillan, I'm from I grew up in Alabama, Bruton, Alabama. South near Pensacola, Florida. I'm afraid of death. That's the root of of my fears. Is is is, is death. I guess death of my body, death of my loved ones. <clears throat> just life, and it's all it's dying, and um, just wondering w- what preparation will be useful for that experience. I mean, I think it's gonna hurt. Yeah, it does hurt. It hurts.
3: Melissa Johnson? Well, I, I've definitely dealt with illness most of my life, and so that's been always something that it's so painful that it does cause a little bit of fear sometimes, I think. Malaria? Yeah. Uh, that is, it's so intense. It's It comes on every evening. You can think you're fine during the morning and then... I guess it's whatever time you, of the day of the day that you were bit and your entire body seizes up and you just go into tremors or convulsions for hours and hours and hours and it doesn't go away mm-hmm. and you sort of lose your mind. I mean, I was definitely not very coherent and the washcloths they were putting on my head, I would dry them up in a matter of minutes. Mm-hmm. So it was 105 106 fever like that.
9: Otis Carney. We're in Cora, Wyoming, well, north of Cora on the Green River. I, I see a succession of wars, endless wars for endless peace, so-called. And um, the, the desire is to clean up the whole Middle East and remove any threats from the state of Israel. And they, the Israelis have tremendous power over our political system. And I think that the next target is Iran, and I think they're setting them up, so this will just continue, and I think we'll live in a warlike state, uh, or or until the deficit gets so big, the casualties grow, the endless wars become untenable to the American people. Then, conceivably, there might be a tremendous uprising and and a change for going back to the original. Principles, the Republican principles of this country.
5: Uh, my name is Mike and we're in San Luis, uh, Colorado, the oldest town in the state of Colorado. Broke down on the side of the interstate. I'm afraid of poor leadership.
10: What which leaders are you talking about?
5: Oh, you get your spiritual leaders, uh, any anybody at that spiritual leaders, uh, mother and father. Um Uh, president and stuff. Uh, For instance, the crap that's going on in the Middle East right now, we don't need to be over it. Religious war has been going on for 6,000 years. This country's 500 years old. Who are we to tell them what they can and can't do? Have you been in the military? Yes, I have. And I was in the Middle East.
2: Really? In
10: the previous Gulf War?
5: No, I was in the early 80s when all this really started. Except when Saddam Hussein was put into power. Uh, I had dealt with... uh, the simple fact that uh, I wiped out generations of families and never even got to see them, you know. Mm-hmm. That was our job. We went in and took out men, women, children. It didn't make no difference. Mm-hmm. And so that was the whole objective. That's why 23 years later, they're just now starting to label us as Lebanon Grenada vets and talk about it.
14: What would you do? <laughs> well, what would I
5: do? I'm going there just like we did before. That means it doesn't make no difference. Don't just kill the men, everybody. Men, women, children, they're all... And then when they see that, they say, okay, that's a little bit different story. Now these people are playing by our rules, (laughs) which they don't have none, you know?
2: But you're talking about going on and killing a large number of
0: innocent civilians, basically. That's what you're proposing.
5: They're doing it to themselves. Hmm. They're doing it to us and stuff like that, so why not, uh, you know, an eye for an eye, a tooth
1: for a tooth? My name is Stephen Shin, I live here in Flagstaff, Arizona. You ask me what I fear. I fear ignorance. I fear intolerance. I I fear dogma. I fear ingrained poisoning of people's minds through pedagogy. You know, just passing it down the same pedagogy, the same, the same uh, thing that you know that I knew, that my parents knew, that my great grandparents knew. You know, well, this is how we were raised. We don't think for ourselves, because this is how we know it. This is all we know, and it's what we're going to know. We're not going to know anything else. I don't want to read your book. I don't want to hear your your opinion, because it's wrong, because we're right.
15: My name's Gretel Ehrlich, and we're somewhere in southwestern Wyoming in the west slope of the Wind River Mountains. I guess I'm afraid of not understanding what fearlessness really is. You know, and all the things that can happen in your life, um, you know, the loss of a loved one or something, that, that at that moment I'm not brave enough to just sort of get down on my hands and knees and put myself nose to nose with death or decay or impermanence or you know, just not be courageous. I mean, I'm not sure if I you ever can know if you're feeling what another being is feeling, but you give yourself over complete surrender so that they can use you. You know, you're just there completely for them. Or it doesn't have to be about death, but it just... Or that I wake up and forget to just greet the day.
11: Imagine if you can. The earth itself without form. And void. Only an emptiness. Formless. A dark, endless waste of water. No living thing plant or tree, no bird or animal. Nothing. This is before people, before anything at all. Avoid sitting silent, still. And then... Nothing.
1: That's the band of Lemon Jelly with Page One from their album and website LemonJelly.ky. If you receive warning of an enemy attack, get to the nearest fallout shelter promptly. But if you're caught in the open and there's a brilliant nuclear flash in the distance, take cover immediately. The two versions of the song Jesus Hits Like an Atom Bomb were by Lowell Blanchard and the Valley Trio and by the Pilgrim Travelers. All these atomic songs and announcements are on the CD-DVD set Atomic Platters, Cold Water Music from the Golden Age of Homeland Security compiled by Connellrad.com know what carol rad means it stands for control of electromagnetic radiation links to all the producers whose stories you've heard in this hour are at hearingvoices.com i'm larry massett bidding you say Naira.
12: hearing voices is supported by the corporation for public broadcasting a private corporation funded by the american people and the national endowment for the arts which believes a great nation deserves great art our producers are Scott Carrier, Ann Hepperman, Larry Massett, and Kara Oler. Our intern is Max Darum. Mix engineer is Robin Wise of SoundImagery.com. Executive Producer is Barrett Golding. From NPR National Public Radio, this is HearingVoices.com.